I've been playing outdoors since I was a kid, standing by the front door at around two years old, hollering, side, side, trying to get my mom to let me go play outside. Now, after 30 plus years working in the outdoor business, I'm dropping insider conversations every week with brand leaders, guides, marketers, CEOs, and others that make the outdoor business a trillion dollar juggernaut that drives product innovation, revenue, and public policy for everything outdoors. I'm Rick Says. Welcome to the Outdoor Biz Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Disney Cruise Line's Disney Dream today. Also, Dan Skilkin from tripinsurance.com drops by to discuss a couple of I guess instances we've seen in the cruise industry over the past few months from the bankruptcy of Crystal Cruises and people, you know, being owed upwards of $20,000, $40,000. Also, those folks who are on Norwegian Escape and just how travel insurance could help in these crazy random situations we've been experiencing. Cruise News resumes next week with staff writer Richard Sims. For now, we'll jump right to the Disney Dream interview. So Chris and the family just got back from a three-night cruise over to the Bahamas from Port Canaveral, and he joins us on the line. Hey, Chris. What's going on, Doug? Hey, uh, good to talk to you again. We last talked to you a few weeks back when you did Norwegian Getaway in the Haven. And I have to say, chef's kiss there. Uh, A-plus experience in the Haven, man. It, uh, yeah. it lived up to your review for sure after doing it a couple weeks after the review. You sold me on it. You're up in Michigan, and you flew down to Florida for this three-night Bahamas cruise. So we'll take a step back. What made you want to take this three-nighter? Because that's a long way to go, Michigan to Florida, for three nights. Yeah, it's just we saw the cruise there and the weather's still kind of cold and three nights is a little bit easier to get off of work for both me and my wife. And we decided, you know, what the heck? We've never done Disney before. So, you know, a a three night sampler was kind of right for us instead of, you know, you know, committing to a whole week, not knowing what we're really getting into, especially for the price. Yeah, for sure. Any pre-cruise time in Florida? We flew in the day before and we Mm -hmm. actually spent the night. There's a Hyatt. It's Regency, right, built into the airport mm-hmm. there in Orlando, which was kind of cool. They have, you know, you can have dinner, watch overlooking the runway, and you don't have to, you know, take an Uber or anything anywhere. So we just hung out at the airport for a day by the pool and, you know, off to the ship the next morning. Very good. You make your way to the Disney Cruise Terminal at Port Canaveral. How was the embarkation process? Are they still testing you at the pier or just getting that pre-cruise test and getting on board? So, so they still do it at the pier. We actually rented a car. So you do it right in your car and then you park. It was really smooth, but it was a little bit stressful having a five-year-old, you know, seeing Mickey Mouse over the side of the ship there. They have like a little statue on the back and getting so excited. I'm like, oh man, if one of us tests positive, this is probably the worst time for it. You know, the poor guy. Uh, But it was, it was pretty smooth. They just test you right in the car and then you get an email that says you're cleared to board and you go up to to the boarding area and it was kind of weird we were there on time but we still had to on our time but we still had to wait like 15 minutes because there's like boarding groups within the time mm-hmm. and we were one of the last ones so we did have to wait 15 20 minutes in the area i will say a tip to people while you're in that area if you want to try to get upgraded to a higher stateroom you can do that there there's uh, like a supervisor's desk and it'll be a lot cheaper than it would be 
otherwise we didn't do that we wanted to stick with our aft balcony but uh tip for people if they want to maybe get an upgraded room you know on other lines they send you emails and things but disney doesn't really do that you have to do it at the port from my understanding to add on to what you just said there a group of us did that on our disney fantasy sailing a few months back and there was a plaque that said captain mickey says all rooms are full unfortunately no upgrades but i walked up to the desk anyways i'm like hey um, how much would it cost me? I'm not asking for something for free. How much would it cost me to upgrade to a balcony from the ocean view? And I got this killer back uh, aft view balcony wrap. That's like the biggest balcony I've ever had at sea for oh, like nice. 100, 145 extra dollars. It was so awesome. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, so, I bet you if you would have booked it, it would have been at least a thousand. Oh my gosh. Yeah, at least. So yeah, it was uh, never hurts to ask for that upgrade. Um, of course, they do make you pay most of the time, but hey, you, you, if you don't ask, you're not going to get it, right? Right. You make your way on board the ship. What were your first impressions of Disney Dream? It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful ship. It's probably the most well-maintained ship I've ever, ever seen. I, I also really, really love it. It's got more of like a classic look to it. Um, it's... It's not gaudy looking like some of the other ones. It's it's beautiful. And you go right into the atrium and they ask your name and Mickey and Minnie are waving to you and they announce, you know, welcome Sobek family. So it was it was really cool. That was that was nice. You mentioned you had a, an aft balcony. What were your impressions of it through your three night cruise? It was nice. Nothing really special about it except, you know, it's an aft balcony, so it's a little bit longer and there's um, you know, lounge chairs on there as opposed to just having you know, regular sit-up chairs, which I like. Uh, aft balcony is what I usually try to try to get if I can swing it. Uh, size-wise, was pretty normal. I did like, as most people probably know, they have two bathrooms: one with the toilet, and the other one with a shower and a little tub. You know, for a kid, maybe not not a full-size one, mm-hmm. but that was nice. I think the best thing about the stateroom, besides the balcony, was our steward was awesome. Probably one of the one of the best we've had, and. Uh, service around the ship actually in general was definitely top notch. So Yeah, that's one thing that really surprised me about the Disney cabin stewards. Like even with my um Apple Watch and my iPhone cords, I came in um from let's say breakfast or dinner or whatnot, and they were all neatly, tightly ra- uh, wrapped with little Velcro things. Like little touches like that really made a yep. difference. Yeah, he was he was great and I mean yeah, really, really, really awesome. Help me with it. I like to have ice in the room for at night because you can bring beer and wine and stuff on the on the ship. Uh, Disney allows a six pack of beer per person, where otherwise other wines I think are just wine. So that's kind of kind of neat too. Very cool. Let's talk about the dining experience. Of course, Disney has the rotational dining. What were your thoughts on that? And uh, what time dining did you have? Uh, we had the early dining uh, because we had the little one. Um, animator's palette is really cool. Um, the other, the other two were just kind of okay. I don't know. They had like characters running around, um, in both of them, but I did just kind of like run in and run out. I don't know if that's a COVID thing because you can't really get within five, 10 feet of the characters right now. They kind of stand back. Um, so maybe like in normal times they'll come and hang out at the tables or something, but that was really the only thing in the other two restaurants the food i thought was okay i know i've heard a lot of really positive reviews about it but i didn't think it was any better than you know royal caribbean or celebrity it might be a a touch up from carnival or um norwegian but i didn't think the food itself was special the service on the other hand really was special just like the cabin steward i mean i feel like we were like their only table because 
they were there every five minutes to see if we needed anything. And my son just basically eats cheeseburgers and they had, you know, cheeseburger ready for him the second and third night because they knew what he wanted. So that was nice. <laughs> That's awesome. How about the, uh, the buffet area? I believe it's called Cabanas. Uh, how was that? That was good. Uh, that was, that was actually really, really good. They have a big, um, seafood platter at every, every lunch, which was kind of nice with sh- peel and eat shrimp and, uh, uh, crab legs, cold crab legs, which I really enjoyed. Um, and the food quality was, was good up there, um, comparatively to some other lines. Um, the variety wasn't off the charts, but the food quality was, was, was good. And any other eats around the ship you care to talk about? Yeah, they have, they have the, like the poolside thing with, you know, some sandwiches and, uh, that's where you go later at night. If you, if you want, you know, a burger or chicken strips or pizza, Again, that was that was just okay. I think I think Carnival probably takes the cake when it comes to poolside food, but um, yeah, it was okay. But it was always there, and there was never never like much of a wait or anything for it. So it was nice if the kiddo was hungry to you know grab him some chicken strips or a cheeseburger quick. What did you think of the entertainment on board Disney Dream? Because I will say, like when I you know, been doing this show for 13 years now. And every time I do a Disney interview, people just really talk about how awesome the entertainment is. And then I experienced it last September and it blew me away. What was, what was your thoughts? Yeah, it was really good. The main, the main, the main theater things were good. There was like, uh, the first show was kind of like combining a bunch of different Disney songs into like its own little musical. I really, really enjoyed that. And I rarely will sit through a show and I sat mm-hmm. through that one and, and loved it. My son and wife loved it. The other show was um, Beauty and the Beast, and that was that was really well done too. I will say, entertainment wise, the one thing I didn't like um, was in the adult area. There was no bands. There was some musicians, but all they did there was a guitar player, a piano player, and a violinist, and none of them sang. So it was kind of like when. My wife and I snuck away when my son was in the kids' corner, and we were, you know, kind of hoping that it was later after dinner. We we're hoping to dance or something, and there was, there was none of that going on. There was dancing like at eleven thirty or something at night, but that, I mean that's too late for a five year old to be stuck in a kids' corner. So, <laughs> so I kind of wish I wish they had more entertainment for the adults back there. The bars and stuff were cool, um, and they had some really neat tasting experiences and things for adults to do. But entertainment wise, for adults was lacking. But the main shows were awesome. Did your child seem to like the kids programming? He loved it. He really, really, really loved it. Um, I haven't taken him. This is the first cruise he did since the shutdown. So he, it's been a while. So he didn't really remember much of the last time, but I mean, he was always happy to go and, you know, not always ready to be picked up. And they let, (laughs) they let the adults kind of check it out. And there's like a, there's an R2D2 and uh, Millennium Falcon simulator in there. And it's, it's really really top-notch stuff. So. Yeah, that's so awesome. Do they have the, um, it's like the scavenger hunt thing around the ship on that one? Where, yes, yep, yeah, they do. I didn't do it, but I saw, you know, kids running around and the little show things pop mm-hmm. up when they scan their cards or whatever. So I don't know much about it, but they definitely had it and people seem to be enjoying themselves doing it. Awesome. Uh, let's talk about the sea days as far as crowds and congestion. And it seems like you had a, maybe an extra one in there as well. Yeah, we didn't get the dock at Castaway Key. Unfortunately, we we're kind of disappointed in that, but you know, that happened. So, um, so we did have a sea day. It was, it was fine. The ship was about only half full. I do think if it was 
full, it would be a little bit of an issue. They have, it's called the aqueduct, which is kind of a big, big water slide that circles the ship. That's really cool. We uh, were able to get on it really fast at the beginning of the days, but um, in the afternoons, the lines were like over 20 minutes. I have to imagine sea days with a full ship, you know, that's going to be at least 40. So that might be a little bit of an issue. Um, another thing that they were doing in the pools, which kind of grind my gears a little bit, was they only let they only let 12 kids in the pool at a time. And every 15 minutes, they'll blow their whistle and other kids can go in. I get it kind of because it's because of COVID, but all the other kids are lined up right next to each other waiting to get in the pool. So it didn't really make any sense to me. So hopefully they're going to get get rid of that now. Uh, one more thing on the pools, there's kind of like a little secret pool between the adults pool and the kids pool that never had anybody in it. And there was no kicking the kids out in between. And there's actually a guy playing a guitar there most of the time too. So if it does get crowded, maybe try to check out that area in between the kids pool and the adults pool. Yeah. I was trying to think. So there's that, there's the, what is it called? Satellite falls, which is in the front of the ship at the top. That's like yep. an adults yep. pool. And then there's a pool down there by the coffee shop, right? Yep. That's also an adults pool. Yep. Gotcha. And that, one, that pool area was fun when I snuck away for a couple hours and, you know, mm-hmm. hanging out with people in there. That was, that was a good time. I'm trying to think where the, uh, the hidden pool is you're talking about. So, so like it's on the deck up from where the one is by the coffee shop. It's, it's, it's probably only a couple, like a foot deep. Um, and there's a little stage right, right next to it where there was somebody playing. So it's, it's kind of, like I said, it's kind of hidden, but it's, it's definitely there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's small. But gotcha. it's enough to splash around in. So. All right. So the ports of call, you did skip Castaway, but you did make it to Nassau. Did you do anything there? We stuck on the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been to Nassau plenty of times, and you know we were only there for th- on the ship for three days, so we wanted to keep playing there. And that day was really fun on the ship because there weren't any lines for that aqueduct that I was talking about. I got kind of wore out running up and down those stairs with my five-year-old, but he couldn't get enough of it. So it was, it was a nice day just to kind of hang out on the ship and relax for us while the ship was even less crowded. And they did mention that they're slowly working towards, you know, higher and higher capacity. So I think, you know, every month is probably going to increase by some, some amount. I know you briefly touched on it earlier, but I'm curious because Disney is really starting to, I guess, ease up on their restrictions. How were like the meet and greets? I know when we were on it, we had to uh, go above the characters to take it. We could take our masks off above the characters, but you darn sure couldn't get close to them. They had like these dots that you would kind of stand on and, and interact with them a little bit. They were probably, you know, five feet back. So it wasn't quite so bad. And we didn't have to wear masks at all if you're vaccinated. The only time you have to wear them is in the theater. Mm -hmm. Uh, But besides that, you don't wear them. So, like, there was some interaction. And in the kids' club, they had an open house. And there was um, characters in there. And they were a little bit closer to the kids. Like, uh, Stitch from Lilo and Stitch sat and did some crafts with with my son. So they are at the same table together. And that that was probably his highlight of the trip, to be honest with you. That was really special watching those two interact but so there is some interaction i'm guessing it's going to get better here shortly yeah yeah it seems like it is on a couple of sailings i know they're testing uh kind of some relaxed protocols so that's definitely good to hear so you make your way back to port canaveral how was disembarkation it was so smooth um it was great we had to wait in line a little bit to get off the ship itself but once we got in the terminal we just flew uh i was in miami on norwegian 
a couple weeks ago and it was we were waiting in line for at least an hour and it was nothing like that it was yeah. it was really nice to end the cruise that way as opposed to be stuck in a line any first time tips to offer someone considering sailing disney or disney dream that little pool i guess um and the upgrade talk the upgrade process i already talked about um those tastings are are really really fun try to book them ahead of time because they do they do sell out um and i think from what i heard excursions do too because if you're unvaccinated you have to book an excursion through disney and they were all sold out on the ship some people were saying so they were not able to even get off the ship with their little ones because they didn't book that ahead of time Mm -hmm. um i guess those would be my first time tips okay and what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you like would you cruise disney again i would um and we are we are going to just because my son had so much fun. Um, for me personally, I uh, I mean it, it was a good time, but I prefer you know for the same price point being in a suite on a, probably a different line. But I don't think my son's going to have the same amount of fun on a different one. So what we're going to do it again, and it probably will actually be a three day because after three days I you know have had enough Disney for for my taste. But it was still it was still good for those those three days. But we'll do it again. Well, in closing here, your final thoughts of Disney Dream. I'd say I'd say if you if you have a young one or or if you love Disney a lot yourself, go ahead and and do it and have a good time. It is it is a little pricier, but um, you kind of pay for that Disney magic no matter where you get it, if it's at the parks or on the <laughs> yeah. ship. So so yeah, it was it was it was it was good. It was special. I'm I would I would suggest it. And if maybe if you're unsure, just do a short one. Like I did. I know. Um, I think the wish is the wish their new ship, Doug. Yeah, it'll be out uh, this July. Yeah, so they're doing they're doing short ones as well. So that might be a cool way to try it out mm-hmm. too. Yeah, for sure. So. We've been talking with Chris about his three night Bahamas cruise aboard Disney Dream. Chris, great talking to you again, my friend, and thanks for coming by. Thanks, Doug. You take it easy. Have a tip or a lead on a news story? Let us know. Email tips at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Top industry stories from around the world and how they'll impact your next vacation every weekday morning on Cruise Radio News. Joining us on the line now is president of TripInsurance.com, Dan Skilkin, to talk about some questions that have been in conversation over the past few months with this rapidly evolving world. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thanks, Doug. It's great to be on. Uh, it's, it's been a busy, it's been a busy season. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I want to tackle this first question here, which we basically fired off 2022 with the bankruptcy of Crystal Cruises, and they're owned by a company over in Asia called Genting, and they're not paying their bills. There are some people that are, are stuck with over $20,000 still owed to them by Crystal Cruises, and they aren't getting it. How would travel insurance have helped them? Doug, this is one of the biggest benefits of buying your travel insurance from a third party rather than from your cruise company. None of the policies that you buy from a cruise company will cover you in the event the cruise company goes bankrupt. Uh, This risk is removed from those policies to minimize the insurance company's exposure to an entire book of business filing a claim. So if Crystal Cruises offered travel insurance, None of those none of those policies would have covered uh, the travelers for bankruptcy. So when you purchase a policy from a third party like TripInsurance.com, our plans cover bankruptcy of the cruise line. The insurance companies can afford to cover this risk because our customers are spread out over many cruise companies and tour operators. So it, it's not concentrated into a single uh, point of, of failure of a business. Um, be careful, though, because many of the insurance companies require you to purchase the insurance within 14 to 15 days of making your initial deposit in order to get that um, bankruptcy coverage benefit. But in that particular case, all of those funds would have been covered by the travel insurance had they bought from a third party. And how how a claim like that would work, let's just say I had an insurance policy, Crystal went bankrupt, they owed me $40,000 for uh, two people that were going to sail on them in July, let's say. Would I just file a claim with my travel insurance? Exactly. So you take your original invoice, you show that uh, you show the letter that the cruise was canceled and that the company has gone bankrupt. Most of the insurance companies know when a cruise company goes bankrupt. I mean, that's that's in the news. They They know that. Yeah. And uh, you file a claim against uh, against that policy. Now, it can be a little bit tricky um, for your airline and any extra hotel that is before and after. And we can talk about that in a bit. But, uh, but, but just focusing on this bankruptcy question, you, you just file a claim and the insurance company would cover it. It's a, a covered reason for cancellation. I want to move to Norwegian Escape here because the cruise is currently on its fourth canceled sailing because it ran aground over in the DR. And boy, did it mess a lot of people up with uh, non-refundable hotels and airfare. Um, They got their cruise fare back. But how would a policy have helped someone in a situation like the folks on Norwegian Escape? When the news came out about that, the part I felt the worst about was the fact that the cruise company had offloaded all of these passengers into basically a small airport and they're all scrambling to try to get flights home. Mm -hmm. And the first problem is, you know, you can't get more than a thousand people out in a single day, et cetera. It takes several days for the airlines to be able to, to provide flights for that many customers. And so you've got a situation where people are stuck at an airport looking for a flight and trying to figure out whether or not Norwegian is actually going to cover those extra hotel costs or the extra flight costs, et cetera. Um, if, if they had travel insurance, first of all, they could have booked a, um, a hotel in the Dominican Republic, uh, hopefully nicer, uh, accommodations than, than what the cruise ship was offering. And, um, then they could have, uh, had more time to make their plane reservations you know, anyone with insurance from TripInsurance.com or a third party would have been covered for the extra cost to get home. 
and any local hotel costs. Now, remember, the insurance companies consider cruise ships a common carrier, just like an airplane. So if a common carrier can't provide passage, the insurance companies um, consider this either a travel delay or a trip interruption. So you have benefit in your plans that cover the extra cost of hotel accommodations and the extra cost to get you home. And many people were stuck waiting at the airport hoping for a flight, but not really knowing you know, what, how Norwegian's going to cover this. You know, the coverage kicks in when the cruise ship is unable to leave the port and would cover hotel until the cruise ship reached its final destination up to the coverage limits uh, in your plan. So passengers could have checked into a local hotel and then started calling the airlines to work on flights and relaxed until they could leave, even if it took a few days. Um, And they don't have to use their original airline that they were booked on. But you need to contact your original airline to to cancel your tickets so that you can claim the loss. And the insurance company is only going to cover the actual total out-of-pocket loss. So if you do get money back on your original tickets, they're going to apply that towards the extra costs um, that are covered to get you home. Now, what's interesting, Doug, we had a client back in January that flew down to Argentina to catch a cruise that made its way up the South American coast to Chile. And they flew down and spent the night before the cruise in a hotel at the departure port. And they were notified that night by the cruise company that they canceled the cruise. Uh, It seems that this was happening in January. It seems that the COVID requirements at the time for disembarking the cruise at each port uh, in South America and the different countries were so strict they wouldn't be able to stop anywhere. So, so they just decided to cancel and refund the cruise. So the client sent us an urgent email and asked us what, what they should do. We told them they have several choices to make in this particular case. And it's very similar to, you know, Norwegian running aground. They could fly home now and the insurance will cover the extra cost to return home as well as any lost hotel for the rest of their trip after the cruise arrived in Chile. Or they could take advantage of the travel delay coverage of $1,000 each that covered hotel and food, as well as $1,500 each for transportation uh, on that travel delay and spend some time in Argentina and then fly up to Chile. And they decided that because of the insurance coverage, they could salvage the vacation, modify their travel plans, and had a fantastic time. So that extra expense was covered, and they got a refund from the cruise company, and their total vacation cost them less money, but, but they, had a, they still had a good time. So these scenarios typically involve the failure of a common carrier after you depart for your trip. But you had asked a question regarding Norwegian canceling three or four follow-on cruises. Mm-hmm. If the cruise company cancels the cruise before your departure date, this is a much bigger problem with your travel insurance. No plans cover a change of itinerary prior to departure, including cancellation of a travel supplier like a cruise company. So cancellation of a travel supplier is generally not a covered reason. Um, so if you bought a cruise, booked your own flights and hotels before and after the cruise, and then the cruise gets canceled, your flights and hotel might not be covered. The cruise company would refund your cruise. I'm sure Norwegian, you know, refunded any canceled cruises that they did, but you, and you might be able to get a travel credit for the hotel and flights, but if they're non-refundable, but these are not 
covered by travel insurance. So the best way to make sure these expenses are covered would be to buy a plan that includes cancel for any reason coverage and buy it within 14 days of making your initial deposit. Those flights and hotel costs you know, would then be covered by the cancel for any reason portion of the plan. Question on what you said earlier, um, when all these folks disembark the ship, and let's just say Norwegian put them at the La Playa Resort, but it was just kind of uh, whatever, but you saw a Marriott Porta Plata. If you had a policy, could you say, you know what, I'm not going to the Norwegian hotel, I'm going to the Marriott and claim that? Absolutely. It would definitely be covered. There is no no restriction on that. And so, you know, typically when you find out that this problem's happening, I don't generally wait until, for instance, a cruise company just decides to stick me in any old hotel. You know, I start to take very proactive measures. What hotels are available? Oh, this one's nicer. I'm going to make a reservation over there before the other thousands of passengers uh, disembark the boat. So I start scrambling and making those travel arrangements knowing that the travel insurance will cover it. Late last month, the CDC lifted their travel advisory. How does that impact travel insurance? A lot of people were requiring all this additional coverage. Should we still be carrying that type of coverage, even though the advisory is lifted? Doug, I think that the need for travel insurance has never been greater. First of all, there's still variants out there that are popping up all over the world. And we never know if one of these variants will change the travel rules and cause new disruptions in the travel industry. Um, so travel insurance is t- still a really smart idea when you know that there could be these, uh, uh, these interruptions. The other concern is hurricanes right now. Um, the hurricane season is longer than it used to be. The storms are worse. Uh, and most plans will cover you for hurricanes. Um, and so this is the other strong reason why travel insurance is, is a necessity for cruise travelers more than ever before. I just I strongly recommend your listeners book a hotel room in their departure port the night before the cruise. Um, this makes the departure port a destination. Remember that we had mentioned that the cruise ship is not a destination uh, or a hotel. It's a common carrier. So transferring directly from your airplane to your cruise makes that a connection. And the cruise port is not a destination city at that point. So by adding that extra night of hotel, it does a few things. It makes sure that number one, you're going to make the boat the next morning. You don't want to miss the cruise. And two, the departure, it's now a departure port. And there's generally language that departure port is now a destination. And there's generally language in the plan regarding hurricane warnings and, and other things for destinations that take effect if you're spending that extra night in hotel. We still offer cancel for any reason coverage at some of the lowest rates in the industry, and we're strongly recommending these plans for customers to have the maximum coverage and flexibility. All of our plans do cover COVID-19 for medical expenses, trip cancellation, and trip interruption. We are still getting a lot of questions as to whether or not we, we cover it, and we do. Um, if you test positive prior to departure, you can cancel as a covered medical reason. Um, But also, if you test positive on the ship, rather than having them lock you in the cabin, see if they're willing to offload you to a quarantine hotel at a local port. Because those expenses for that local hotel are covered with your travel insurance plan, as well as the extra cost to get you home. You can get approval from a telemed doctor from the United States, and and they'll issue a travel certificate. Uh, and the insurance will cover the balance of your lost cruise. 
if they just lock you in your cruise room for the rest of the cruise, it'd be a horrible vacation to be confined to, to, to your quarters. And that's not going to be covered. And there's, a, no, there's no travel insurance that will pay for the balance of the cruise after you got locked in your room. But if you can get them to offload you onto the port, then the balance of your lost cruise is covered as well as that extra cost to get home. We're seeing a lot of cruise cancellations and also people just canceling, uh, just airing on the side of caution about um, the Russia and Ukraine. How would a policy help someone who decided to pull the plug on their vacation because of the turmoil over there? Well, we've, we've had a lot of customers that, that uh, were going to the Baltics or were going up uh, into Eastern Europe. And based on what's happening uh, between Russia and Ukraine right now, uh, they just want to reschedule their trip. Uh, they, they contact their travel supplier. A lot of the travel suppliers have been very flexible. And when they contact us, they ask, can I move my coverage, my, my, my travel insurance coverage to this new trip? If you are applying your deposit that you've uh, given to a travel supplier on a new trip, uh, generally we are, are, are capable of modifying your travel dates uh, to cover that new trip. And so uh, we're being as flexible as we possibly can to help accommodate people that are changing their travel plan. Great information. As always, Dan, if someone has a question, how can they get a hold of you? Doug, please, uh, I appreciate uh, appreciate the time today. If anybody has additional questions, even if they haven't purchased their insurance from tripinsurance.com, they can send us an email at support at tripinsurance.com, and we're happy to help. Support at tripinsurance.com. Noted, and we'll link it in the show notes as well. Thank you again, Dan. Doug, thank you. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.